so excited. God's doing so much in the midst of us. And uh, the authority that we have as Christians. How many of you know that we have been given authority? Authority. We've been given authority. What does it mean to have authority? And so we're going to discover this today. Before we get into that, I want to share a testimony with you. So I'm going to have my dad come on up. Uh, In case you don't know, my my mom and dad bought a house last year. They'd lived in a mobile home for 51 years. They bought uh, a home for the first time. And so they moved. They they bought it in February. They closed on it in February. It was a repossessed home, so they had to fix it up. You know, they had to paint it and do all that. So they did that. And then they moved in April. And then around uh, June or July, around the 1st of July, they put up for sale their mobile home. Right? And so it was listed in, in July. And didn't sell, didn't sell, didn't sell, didn't sell, didn't sell, didn't sell, didn't sell. Come January, come the fast. And on the last day, so if you remember, I said, if you come every night of the fast, God's going to bless you. God's going to do something. And so I, was, I didn't have him in mind, actually, because he got blessed last year. So why would God bless him twice? <laughs> why? Because God's like that. Come on, he's tapped into something. We got to get a hold of this. And so on the last day of the fast, right, Monday through Saturday, we met here every night. He came every night. On Saturday, what happened? Yeah, well, by the time the end of the fast comes, I'm tired because I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, unlike my son. (laughs) (laughs) So at any rate, Saturday during the day, my wife gets a phone call that they're going to show the house. And I says, eh, you know, I hope it sells. That's all I said to myself. That's not a faithful response. Yeah. That's not <laughs> like, yes! Because you know? I figure it's not going to sell till spring, because <clears throat> that's usually when they do. So Sunday after Mass, we get a phone call that the house is sold for the full price. For Come cash. on. For cash. Full <laughs> price. Full price. So, prayer and fasting does work. Although I did only fast on the meat. I didn't fast from the sweets. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Dad. <clears throat> hey, I've fasted less than that and had results, so it's not about what we're giving up. It's about God being faithful to accomplish the word that He's given us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Full asking price, full cash offer. Come on, it doesn't have to be this good. It does, and, and, and the phone call comes on the last day of the fast. This is not, God, there are no coincidences with God. There are no, there's no such thing as a coincidence with God. Closed in a week. Well, it's a mobile home, so they're going to close a little bit faster, but that's fine. We won't go there. We're just, I got to stop. We got to move on. We got too much to talk about. The power that is in me. How many of you know that there is a power that God has placed on the inside of you? You have a power. As Christians, you have power and you have authority that's been given to you by Christ. But how often do we as Christians not use it, not tap into it, not take advantage of the power that's been given to us? Right? All right. Time for a little bit of a demonstration. I got to take my coat off for this. There we go. All right. I don't want to put that on with the All right, so we've been given these tools. We've been given this power. We've been given this authority as believers, right? And so it's kind of like a 
utility belt. I thought about going and getting a Batman belt. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, know how, I don't have any idea how any of that Batman stuff works. I've only ever seen it on TV. But I know how these tools work. And so I can explain these tools. And so I went with what I knew, right? And so this is the authority of the believer, right? We take it and we put it on. And many of you know what I'm, I'm walking around up here with. You understand the power that is currently strapped on here and what I can now do as a result of having this with me, right? And so we've all seen this in the movies. Bang, 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 bang. That's how it works, right? That's what it's for. What's that? Wait a minute. Right? We can, how many times do we get the authority of the believer? We get the tools that God's given us, and we're like, yeah, I know how to use it. Pop, pop, pop. Wait a minute. That's not even what that's for. We're out here messing it up. What's this? That's the way to use this. You're going to do some destruction, right? This could hurt. You could rip. I could rip right through this floor. I'm not going to do it, but I could. (laughs) That's a strong hammer. What's this? Scotty, beat me up. There's no intelligent life down here. (laughs) This is a transponder. I've seen this in the movies. No, that's not what this is for. And so if we don't know what the tools are for, if we, don't, if we haven't been taught what we're to do with what we've been given, then we won't know. And so really, we need somebody that can take us and show us, hey, listen, this is how you do this. I'll never forget the time. I've got all these tools here. I can't go through them all. This one's to help take off the rough edges. Whew. Jesus. I'll never forget the time we were building a shed, right? my backyard about 10 or 15 years ago, and we stood up the two walls, and now you've got to nail a nail to hold them together, right? And so the shed is built on a retaining wall, and the shed's right eight foot to the, or seven foot to the top of the wall, and then it's a three foot down to the retaining wall, and then the retaining wall is another four foot down, so you need like a 20 foot ladder to get up there, right? And so you've got to nail this nail in, and then it's 20 feet down. So I'm like, man, I guess I got to go get the ladder. And so my dad comes over to the corner, and he goes like this, and he goes like this, and he holds the nail while he's holding the boards, and he starts going like this. And he's nailing, he's swinging the hammer, hitting the nail, aiming back towards his own face, hitting the nail and driving it in. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't stand a chance. How in the world is he, how in the world is he even hitting the nail? Like, I'm sure that I cannot hold those boards and just swing the hammer and just hit the nail, much less to the fact of hitting the nail with any kind of a strength to be able to drive it in. I'll never be that good. I don't stand a chance. Never, ever. I don't think so. I don't know. I've never had to do it, so we'll never know. <laughs> never know. He didn't, he didn't let me try. That's okay. It's okay. And so what kind of tools have we been given? And how are we going to learn how to use them? Listen, I'm going to share, I'm going to share my... Th- and then we're going to get into some scripture. There have been times where the, the, the best way that I learned to use the authority that's been given me is when I've watched Pastor Tom. I'll never forget the day. We were standing out here. We were locking up. We were heading on our way out. And I stayed late because I was going to help Pastor Tom lock up the church. It was a night after prayer. And so we're headed out on the way after church, and I'm just hanging out 
what am I doing? I'm not there as a pastor. I'm not there. I'm there to lock up the building and to make sure Pastor Tom gets to his car. How unexciting. I'm mopping the floors. I check to make sure the doors are locked. This is what I'm doing. This is what closing up the building means. To make sure the thermostat's turned down. We head out the door. And as we're headed out the door, he speaks with love and compassion to somebody else and tells, him, tells them what the Spirit of God has placed in his heart for them. And I'm witness to these words, these uh, compassionate, loving words that he would speak. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, I wouldn't know that I knew how to say it that way unless I had heard him say it. And so we learn so many times by being around other people. How do we begin to walk in the authority of the believer? By getting around someone who's walking in the authority of the believer and by copying their lifestyle. If you want to walk into a greater anointing, find somebody with a greater anointing and start following them around. Start getting them a cup of coffee. Go to their engage group. Go to their engage group. There's that list of engage groups. Find someone that you want your life to model and just sign up for the engage group. You know, you're going to sit there for 10 weeks, an hour. That's 10 hours. And you're going to learn so much. I'll never forget the time. We were landscaping, and Jamie was with me. And uh, there was this other young man there. And so it was just the three of us. And this, this, young, this other young man says to me, okay, Pastor Matt, and he starts asking me questions. And so obviously he, he, obviously, uh, he knew that I was a pastor. Obviously he was comfortable with Jamie being there. He starts asking me these questions. And so Jamie replays me the story later, and he's like, when he asked you that first question, I was like, I can't wait to see how he's going to answer this one. <laughs> and so he's sharing with me his thought process. He's like, as this kid's asking you questions, I'm going through, and I'm thinking, like, how would I answer that? I have no idea. This is the same thought process that I had when I was with Pastor Tom. Somebody's asking him a question. I'm like, I have no idea how to answer that. And so as we're together later, I tell Jamie, I'm like, no, you have to pray to the Holy Spirit whenever you're talking with somebody, and you need to depend on the Holy Spirit to give you the answer for that individual. Now, yes, my words were gracious because I learned the gracious words that Pastor Tom would speak. I learned how to speak with, with love and caring and compassion. And so, you know, last week I had shared, or the week before I had shared that somebody was intimidated by me. I don't know what that's all about because I'm not really an intimidating guy. At least I don't think so. You know, I'm sure that they were intimidated by the authority of the believer that I walk in because I know the authority that I walk in. I have an angel standing by my side. He's nine feet tall. Maybe it's him that he saw. That'd be pretty terrifying. Maybe there's two because I'm the pastor. I don't know. I've not read that in the word, but I'll take it. One on each side. Come on. I've got bodyguards, man. Whew. All right. Now, all of that being said, best way to learn how to walk in. The, I'm going to share with you everything that I can. I'm going to tell you everything that I can about the authority of the believer. But know that the best thing that you can do is find a spiritual mentor for your life. We've been saying this forever. Find an old person. Old person. A spiritual mentor. Find a spiritual mentor. Let them guide you. Let them lead you. Let them speak into your life. You know, I want, to, I want to stop and just say this. A spiritual mentor isn't a spiritual mentor until they know your life well enough to know everything that's going on, and then you allow them to say, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. 
All right, right now, just self-quiz yourself. Who in my life knows all of my junk and all of my struggles, and if I were to share with them what I'm planning on doing, would say to me, I would be okay with them saying, I don't think that's a good idea. Who's that person in your life? If you don't have one, maybe you don't have a spiritual mentor. All right. I want to read Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 23. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4. These are some pivotal scriptures on the authority of the believer. Paul begins to spell out what it is that we've been given, what the authority that we walk in is. And so we're going to read those today. On your Engage card, it says, this week I will read Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Listen, I want you to seriously consider doing this. Pray this every single day. And then when it says uh, in the next verse here, in verse 17, it says uh, that you have been given, right, the spirit of revelation. Say, when you pray the prayer in, in Ephesians here, say, I have been given the spirit of revelation. God has given me the spirit of revelation. And so pray it through that way when you pray it through this week. If you focus yourself and your attention on understanding the authority of the believer, you will understand it. Let me, let me say one more thing before we read scripture here. This isn't about just understanding it in our mind. Faith is not a head game. Faith is not a head game. It's the heart. It's the heart. It's the heart. We have to get this down into our heart. And so how do we get it to travel from here to here? We pray and we ask God that, the, that the, the, the stuff we understand with our mind would be transferred into our heart and that we would truly believe it. That we would truly believe it. How many of you know that you can think something, but then you know something, right? And so we've got to get it down into our heart. All right, let's read. Paul writes, and he says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So he's saying, Paul's saying he's praying for them. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, okay, so here's what God's given us, that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Jesus, in the knowledge of God, the eyes of your understanding that they would be enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling, God's calling, the hope that's in God's calling, and what are the riches of the glorious, the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints. There's a lot right there, okay? So let's just stop for a moment before we go on to verse 19, and let's unpack this for a minute. What have we been given as believers? We've been given a spirit of wisdom, how many of you have wisdom? How many of you want wisdom? I want wisdom. I want more wisdom. And so how do we get it? We get it from Jesus. You have been given the spirit of wisdom. Knowledge is, is just knowing something. Wisdom is knowing when to apply it. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit because the seeds are on the inside. Wisdom is not putting the tomato in your fruit salad. I can put the tomato in with the melons because it's a fruit. Oh, sure you can. And it wouldn't be wrong. It'd be a fruit salad, you fruit salad. 
Wisdom knows that those two flavors aren't going to taste good together. I've never seen that done before. I don't know. Melon and and tomatoes? Mm, I'm kind of scared. I've never tried it. I know. The spirit of revelation. The spirit of revelation. You know, when... when, (laughs) Still laughing at the tomatoes. The spirit of revelation. Listen, when, when... Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, God, and Jesus responds and says, my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And I'm telling you that your name is Peter Cephas, the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. How many of you know that Peter knew that Jesus was the Christ because of revelation? There was revelation that was imparted to the apostles. How many of you want revelation? I want to live in a place of revelation. I want God to open up the scriptures to me every single day that I might discover wondrous things from his word, things that I've never seen before. This is where I want to live. I want to live in the place of revelation. I'm walking along and God gives me revelation as to the fact that this guy that's on the bench here in the middle of the park needs somebody to just sit and talk with him for five minutes. I want that revelation. I want to be that person that stops and has compassion to sit and just say, hey, man, what's going on? How you doing? In the knowledge of God, as we come to know God, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. It's more of of knowing him and understanding all that he has, that you may know the hope of his calling. Do we know the hope of the calling that we have in God? Do we understand what this even means? Listen, <laughs> I get crazy. I get crazy. We, when, when we start worshiping, I literally become unglued. I literally can't control myself. You see me jumping up and down here? It's not because I'm like, oh, hey, man, this is fun. No, I start thinking about the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me. He gave it all for me. And I have, I have the ability to enter into the throne room of God, into the very presence of God, to be with God. God is fellowshipping with me. And man, I just cannot stand still. I have to celebrate and I have to worship and I have to give God everything because he gave it all for me. And so this excitement that I have. It's just an outpouring of love that I have on the inside. I can't hold it in. And so if you don't like it, talk to God about it. (laughs) That you may know what are the riches of the glorious of the inheritance of the saint. How many of you know that we have an inheritance? We have an inheritance. What does that mean? We are, no, we, are not, we are no longer slaves. We are no longer servants. We are children of the living God. We are sons and daughters of God. And we have an inheritance from God. This only gets better. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, God's mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. I want you to know, Paul's saying, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of 
God's power toward us for you. God's power that raised Christ from the dead is for you. There is, no, there is no more powerful moment in all of human history than when Jesus came out of the grave. The power of God that was on display. When Jesus is hanging on the cross and he dies, earthquake, rocks split, the veil in the temple's torn in two, this wonderful display of power, this wonderful display of natural power. And not only that, three days later, Jesus comes out of the grave. Are you kidding me? This power is for you. This same power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it's available to you and me. Come on. This is, this, this, I, I meant to pray at the beginning. This can get really, really bad. This can go really bad really quick because you can get a really big head when we start to begin to talk about this kind of stuff. All right, now follow this. It says, raise Christ from the dead and seat him at his right hand in the heavenly places, right? And so what does that mean? In days of old, the king would sit on the throne and then someone that would sit to the right hand of God on a little bit lower throne, they had all of the authority and power that the king had. And so should the king not be there to make a decision? then I can make the decision in the place of the king. This is the authority that we've been given. This is the authority that Christ has. He's been seated at the right hand of God. And where are we seated? We're seated with him. Far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, he put all things under his feet and gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul is just so complicated, man. He's stuffing so much stuff in here. It's crazy. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Right? The head, right? So let, let's have the head pick up the, the drill. Can't do it. Can't do it. Why? Because I'm not using my body. Let's have the body do anything without the head. No, you, you just, no, 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 no. The body doesn't exist without the head. But when the head and the body work together, supernatural, supernatural, supernatural. God doesn't want to do, God doesn't, God can do anything, all right? So let's just clarify that. God is all powerful. There's nothing that God can't do in his sovereignty. But God wants to use you and I. He actually doesn't want to do anything without you and I. Not that he won't, not that he can't, but you're going to find those times when God moves without humans to be very, very far and few between. The times that we as humans move with God and do supernatural activities are rare. 
But the times where God moves supernaturally with nobody are even more rare because he doesn't want to do it that way. He, wants, he chose you. He made this commission. He, it, if you won't go, he'll find someone else, and then he'll find someone else, and then he'll find someone else, and he'll go through a million people till he finds someone who's willing to go because he's, he's committed to the commission, co-mission. We're going to do it together. I'm not going to do it on my own. And so this is why he's given you authority. All right, let's keep moving. Oh, I love this scripture. Matthew 11, 11 to 12. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. <laughs> the disciples wanted to know who was the greatest. This isn't the same portion of scripture, but that's in a different portion of scripture. Jesus had already told them. That actually comes later. That I, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Okay? So from Adam through to John the Baptist, we take a, a gauge and Jesus says, John the Baptist is the greatest. Greatest it's ever been. He's the best. Like, there's never been one better. Then he says, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From Adam to John the Baptist, here's the scale. John the Baptist is here. Anyone that's in the kingdom, that's your starting point. <laughs> Come on. Are you kidding me? Do you see where this can become like a megalomania? Like you're just, your head's going to explode? Like, I'm, wait, who am I? You guys are all, who's in the kingdom? If you're saved, you're in the kingdom. Who's in the kingdom? You guys are all greater than John the Baptist. Hold up. What? 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 <laughs> ah. <laughs> Is anybody getting crazy? I'm getting crazy. But, and, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So there's this spiritual battle behind the scenes. And so as we are in this realm of authority of Jesus, there is this battle. There's this spiritual battle behind the scenes. But if we take the authority that's been given to us and we know what we're supposed to do, we're here as builders. Huh? All of this stuff was building, right? But if we use it to tear people down, we're not kingdom people. We're just going to keep moving because I, I, want to get this, I want to get this all to you today. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he had loved us, even while we were dead in trespass, even while we were dead in our sin, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, not of works that men should boast. And he raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ. Where are you seated? In heavenly places with Christ. Where's Christ seated? And who is that? What is the right hand of God? All power. And so where are you seated? Right hand of God. And so what do you have? What? I graduated from Regent University. Do you know what a regent is? A regent, I love this. When I found this out, I was like, oh, that's so good. You know what a regent is? 
A regent is one who stands in the place of authority until the king returns. Come on. One who stands in the place of the authority of the king until the king returns. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? How many of you know that you are his emissaries, you are his regents upon the earth, and you're to execute the authority of Jesus Christ? You are to execute the authority of God in the earth now. Now. Seated at the right hand of God, come on. (laughs) Now, this is the main point of the things which we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, at at the right hand of the throne of God. The right hand is not just a place. It's not just an address. He's seated at the right hand. He's seated at the left hand. He's seated at the feet. He's seated here. He's seated there. He's seated there. No, he's seated at the right hand of God. It's a place of authority. It's a place of power. We talked about the body. I kind of ran on from that. He has placed everything under the feet. Christ is the head. Church is the body. All things are under the feet. Who's the feet? Or, or up, right? It might be a hand. It might be a neck. It might be a wrist. Everything. Everything, everything, it's all under our feet. It's under our feet. It's gone. It's past. It's done. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on. Luke 9. Then he called his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. Jesus gave his power and his authority to his disciples. He's given it to us. And then later in Matthew, it says this. It says, all authority, Jesus came and spoke to his disciples and saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Right? And so first he tells them, all authority has been given to me. You know I've passed my authority on to you. That's not stated in the scriptures here, but we know that that's happened already. All authority has been given to me. And therefore, because you're my followers, all authority has been given to you in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he gives them an assignment. Go and tell everybody else. Go and help others that they might know me too, that they might have the same authority. Win others for Christ. Just a couple more scriptures here. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy the works of the evil one. Why do we have the power of God on the inside of us? To destroy the works of the enemy. To destroy the works of the enemy. For this reason... Scripture says, for this purpose, for this reason, was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, manifested. He came to the earth for this reason, to destroy the works of the enemy. To destroy the works of the enemy. And so what are the enemy? What are the works, what are the works of the enemy? Sin. Jesus came to destroy the power of sin. To destroy the work of sin. Jesus came to destroy sickness. Sickness is, a, sickness is a result of the enemy. Think back to the garden. 
Disease. Disease is a result of the enemy. Poverty. Poverty is a result of the enemy. Oppression. Oppression is a result of the enemy. Depression, cancer, all these things. These are results of the enemy. These are are results of the fact that we live in a fallen world. And we, as Christians, have been given the authority over these things. Why don't we see it? Because we don't always do it well. Police officer stands out in the street, holds up his hand to stop traffic. Sometimes cars stop. Sometimes they don't. I've walked out into the street. We used to run a business, and we used to have tractor trailers, and sometimes they'd back. They'd, they were supposed to back in, but sometimes they'd pull in, and they'd have to back them out onto Route 9, which is always a bad idea. But they were in. I couldn't stop them, and so I'd step out onto Route 9, and I'd hold up my hand to stop a car. And sometimes they'd stop, and sometimes they didn't. How many of you know that when you step out there to stop the car, you've got to go with authority? or else they're just blowing by you. If you're like, hey, you want to stop? They're going to like, no. <laughs> Crazy. But you can step out and you can have the authority. You can have the authority. I want to read this scripture. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is a great scripture. Jesus stood up in the midst of them, in the midst of his home church at the time, and he read this scripture, and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And what he was saying is that Jesus was saying, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to heal up the brokenhearted. The oppressed are going to have a jailbreak and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what Jesus stood up and said. And he said, I'm here to do all that. I'm here and I'm going to do all that. And so oftentimes we like to buy this this, this word, this Luke 4, 18, 19. We like to buy this for our pastor got it in there on my bookshelf, so you don't need to buy me the plaque. I think it was actually, maybe it was Pastor Tom's. I don't know. It's in there. But, you know, I've got a nice plaque. The pastor should do this. This is good. No, this isn't my job. This is our job. This is our job. All of you, all of you, every believer, we all have this authority. We all have this authority. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon every one of you to preach the good news to the poor, not poor as in like, I've got no cash, the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is anybody that doesn't have Jesus. God has anointed you to preach the good news, to share the good news, to tell the good news to anyone who's poor in spirit, to anyone who doesn't know Jesus. You've been anointed for this. Why? Because you love Jesus, because you followed him. And because you followed him, you're anointed to do this. Enough said. Go do it. (laughs) He sent me to heal up the brokenhearted. You. God chose you. Go heal the brokenhearted. Go heal the brokenhearted. Go heal the brokenhearted. My heart's broken. That's okay. (laughs) 
You can heal somebody that's more broken than you are. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Captives are going to have a jailbreak. There are people that are locked up in all kinds of stuff. He may be talking about actual physical prisoners, but I really don't think that that's the case. We are prisoners. Whatever we, uh, what, we become slave to whatever we sin to, right? And so if we're in sin, then we're, we're slave to that. And we are free from that bondage. We no longer have to be servant to those sins. Anything that's keeping you captive, alcohol, whatever it is, some bad thought pattern, whatever's keeping you prisoner, you're free from that. And you're supposed to go set other people free. Free. Recovery of sight to the blind. Is he talking about physical healing in his eyes? Yes. But he's also talking about people that just can't see the trees through the forest, man. What's life all about? It's about following God with your whole heart. It's about getting together with God to a place where he fills that hole in your heart. Because nothing, you can stuff everything else you want in there and it won't make you happy until you find God. Recovery of sight to the blind, that you would see in the spirit and that you would know what's going on around you. We could stand all day on this one scripture. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Sometimes you just need a liberator, man. And his name is Jesus. But sometimes he sent you to help. And so sometimes you're the person that's supposed to be liberating someone. Listen, we've got a big city down here, Troy, 55,000 people. I can't reach them all on my own. But if we all do it together, we can reach them all. This is what God wants. He wants the whole city saved for Jesus. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Hey, listen, Jesus is alive. Jesus is seated on the throne. We have victory in his name. Every year from now forward, it's the acceptable year of the Lord. Start throwing a party. We should be celebrating. That's what we endeavor to do here every Sunday morning. Why? Because this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Come on. There's there's a party because someone's getting saved today. Someone's getting saved. Maybe not here. Maybe in another church. Hopefully in this church. Someone's getting saved. Get someone saved. There's a party in heaven over one sinner who repents rather than 99 persons who don't need repentance. Come on. This is why we are well able at once to go up and take the land. It's not because of the strength of God that's in me. I'm weak. My back hurts sometimes. My muscles get sore after I work out. But God, but God. Listen, when the, ten, when the 12 spies came back, 10 of them said, we just no way we can take the land. There's no way we can take the land. They're bigger and stronger than we are. But Joshua and Caleb, they were of a different spirit. And they said, it's the Lord who fights for us. It's the Lord's strength that will win us the victory. I'm not going up there facing these giants because, what's, because I have any ability that I have. God said he would give us the land. And now I'm just walking out in faith that he's going to be true to his word. Yeah. God's going to give us Troy. This isn't by my wisdom. I don't have any great idea except that which has been given by God. (laughs) It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Listen, I'm telling you, the time is coming. It's getting close. It's getting short at hand. Get together with us. Come on. Just hoe the row that you've been given. Share the love of Jesus with somebody. Execute the authority of the believer that you've been given. When you pray... Pray as one that's been anointed, because you have. Pray. Pray as one that can truly set at liberty the captives, because you can. 
This is the authority that we have in prayer. Ezekiel 22, I sought for a man to stand in the gap to build up a wall before me, to hold back my wrath. God's saying he is seeking for a man today that will walk in the anointing of Jesus Christ. Are you the person? He, you have the authority, but will you walk in the authority? Come back to the policeman, right? He jumps out in traffic and he says, stop, right? You're going to stop out and stop traffic? Don't, um, this is an analogy. Don't go jump in front of cars. <laughs> I don't need any calls from the hospital. <laughs> but we have that same authority in prayer. When we go out in prayer, we go out with the authority and we say, stop in Jesus' name. We have the authority. We have to believe that we have the authority. We have the authority. We have to know that we have the authority. If we don't know it, if it's not in our heart, if we're just responding with our mind, mental, we won't get there. It has to become our heart. We have to respond from a heart place and say, stop in Jesus' name. No more in Jesus' name. I silence the voice of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. We break the power of depression and oppression over this whole place in Jesus' name, over every mind here today in Jesus' name. We proclaim joy and peace in every life here today in Jesus' name. By the authority that we've been given as Christians, we proclaim it. God is on the throne. God is on the throne. The enemy has been defeated. The enemy no longer rules over this place. Jesus has the authority in the heavens and in the earth. And we pray today that God's will would be done on on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. That God's will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God says, go, and they go. There's no option. Here on the earth, Jesus said, go, and the demons had to go. There was no option. They couldn't choose whether or not they wanted to obey the, the word of Jesus. There's no, there's, no, there's no choice in the matter. God speaks and it happens. This is the will of God in heaven. This is the will of God that Jesus wants to see on earth. This is the authority that you've been given as believers, that you can speak to the, the mountains in your life and see them go. What's the mountain that you've been seeing in your life? Let's just pray for a moment. We're going to receive the offering here in a minute. What's the mountain in your life? What is that thing that you've been struggling with for so long that you you can't remember when you didn't struggle with it? What's that thing that's so big that you have no idea how God could ever bring about a victory? about how God could ever bring it to pass. Stand up with me. As an act of faith, just stretch out your hand. And pray. You can pray silently. You can pray out loud. And you just pray that that giant that's standing before you would fall in Jesus' name.
God, right now, God, we take our place of authority as believers. And God, we command that giant that's standing in front of us, God, that thing that we don't know how to get free from, God, that thing that we don't know how you could ever bring it to pass, God, we command that giant to fall for your provision to be made, God, for there to be a way of escape for us to be set free in Jesus' name. We command that thing right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you're here today and you've heard me talking and you have no idea, you may be seated, and you have no idea what it means about having a relationship with Christ, I want to invite you to make a decision to follow Christ today as Lord and Savior. It's a decision that I made 28 years ago, and I, um, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life, bar none. I walk with God on a daily basis. I fellowship with him moment by moment. Jesus is in my heart. I talk with him. I commune with him. This is the victory that was won for you and I at the cross. And it's available to anybody that doesn't know Jesus. It's available to you today. And so if you'll just pray with me, I want to lead you in a prayer. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come and live inside my heart. Teach me to live for you all of the days of my life. God, I pray that I would have fellowship with you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to check this box here that says, today I follow Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time. The Bible tells us that we should tell someone when we do that. And so if you've made that choice today to follow Jesus, check that box and let me know. I'll send you a little bit of information to explain the decision that you've made. And uh, we want to rejoice with you. Amen. Pastor Tom, come on up and receive the offering this morning.